Few things breed contention more quickly than touching a beloved worship song that is a personal favorite. If I could be brutally honest, some of these songs we so desperately crave are our sacred cows. And I would submit to you that much of the current praise and worship music being pumped out is indeed praising and worshiping someone else, but it is not God. We must come to the sobering truth that much has become more experiential and less reverential. There are lyrics that are moving further away from sound biblical truth. We have placed ourselves at the center while God pines over us, and we have no understanding of the jealousy of God. He is not jealous for us like we perceive. He is not our languishing boyfriend in desperate need of us. He is God Almighty, and He is holy. You just heard an excerpt from my latest blog post featured on Love Subscribe. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Subscribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Subscribe. Well, today's topic is going to be an interesting one, and I know that it can be obviously a source of contention for people, and it can get some feathers ruffled. I am very much aware that this could happen, but I do think that this is a topic worth talking about, and I know that lots of other people, much more qualified than myself, have breached this subject. We're going to be talking about Christian worship music, praise and worship music. I had recently done a blog post on this. I find myself on and off at times thinking about praise and worship music, where I came from in where I used to lead worship in a hyper-charismatic type setting in a church, some of the songs that we listened to and that we led worship to. And I actually led worship to songs that came from Bethel and Hillsong and Elevation. Now, these songs, I know they have a really good beat to a lot of them. They sound good. Some of them are even doctrinally sound when you listen to the words and you pay attention to what you're singing, which I think a lot of times we don't. I know for myself that there were many times I was not paying attention. It seemed I was more wrapped up in the experience of what was happening, how I felt, and on and on and on, and did not pay attention to if what I was singing was actually about the God of the Bible or if it was about the Christ who died on the cross. And I know that that sounds weird to say that probably to some people because you think, well, if the name Jesus Christ is in a song, it must be about the God in the Bible, the Jesus, the Son of God in the Bible, right? And I would say no. There are other places, other religions that will use the name of Jesus that will sing of of the Christ that they know, but that does not mean that they are singing of the Christ that's the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, the, the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And I wanted to talk about this in the blog post I did and then on the podcast today to draw out some points to get you thinking, just like I normally do when I talk about these little bit more controversial or harder topics at times or things that we're more sensitive about. And cause you to sit and ponder on what are you listening to? Is it biblical? Is it ministering to God? Or is this a song that's just ministering to me? I know with some of the music that I used to pick out, I was not aware of what I was doing. But I was listening to music that was really more me-centered. It was more self-centered, more you and I-centered. It was about how victorious we were and how we're going to do great things. And and there's some things I'll share with you today, um, just some examples to kind of pull out of some songs I used to, to lead worship with and really used to love listening to. Now, I don't listen to those any longer, but 
I wanted to use some of those examples to show you some of the things that are out and, and get you understanding that just because somebody slaps the name Christian on it does not mean that it's Christian music per se, in the sense that it is biblically sound music. And I know that there may be some pushback on that. And people will say, you know, you're being really legalistic about this. They're just words, Dawn. I mean, they're just words, chill out, lighten up. It's just a song. And I would say to you that the songs that come out of a church are really going to demonstrate to you what kind of doctrine they hold. And Another point I would say is, again, just because someone mentions the name Jesus Christ, that does not mean that that is the the Christ of the Bible. That does not mean that it's the true gospel. They could be ministering another Christ and another gospel. And one other point that I would think about for those that really hold to the word of faith teaching and the teaching that your words have power, that seems contradictory. Because if we're focusing on the power of our words, then we should be concerned about what we're singing in praise and worship music. So we'll talk about this. I mean, the blog post that I wrote, it all started from me thinking about this song that I had listened to, I can't tell you how many times, dozens and dozens of times for years and had led worship to it and had heard other worship leaders do it. Uh, It was um, How He Loves. And I used to love that song. I don't know about you, but I used to love that song. And the very first line is it's a hook that kind of grabs you and it says he is jealous for me and we could go on and on with the song but I did a blog post talking specifically about that he is jealous for me loves like a hurricane I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy and goes on and on I caught myself thinking about this song out of nowhere I found myself sitting and thinking for a little bit about hmm is he really jealous for me what does the bible have to say about that and so I found a couple of verses uh, for one Exodus chapter 20, verse five and six says, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. This is the Lord talking for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. And you may think, well, God is saying he's jealous. Isn't that sinful? Well, we're going to talk about what that means here in just a moment in the biblical context, but God is a jealous God. And what, what this is referring to, and in in Exodus chapter 34, verses, verse 14, it says, for you must not worship any other God for the Lord, whose name is jealous is a jealous God. And let me say this, first of all, to worship music in itself is a powerful thing. We could put anything to a beat and to a melodic sound and you would remember it. You would retain it, right? I mean, I don't know how many of you guys, if you ever studied things in school, if you happened to put it to music, you could remember it much better. And we find that these songs, even secular songs, can get in our head year from years ago that we once listened to. And we'll find ourselves being able to recite the lyrics a lot of times. Sometimes if we've tried to get them out of our heads, <laughs> we've flushed them out uh, when we become born again and there's things that we don't listen to any longer. But sometimes we have those lyrics stuck in our mind because we are, we've remembered them because music is a powerful thing. And so it's the same thing with the music that we're listening to that is supposed to worship and exalt the living God. It's supposed to be more about him and less about us. And I get that when you read through Psalms, we're going to be in there to some degree because we are worshiping God. 
but we should not be the focus of the song. When it becomes us as the focus of the song, then we are in idolatry. We are committing idolatry. We are causing self-worship to happen, self-praise. And we'll attribute a little bit of it to God, but really, if we're honest, when we look at the songs we sing, we'll notice how self-centered they are. And they're much more about us and less about God. And I'll use some examples just to kind of give you a contrast here in a moment uh, from some of the songs that I've I found that I listen to now as opposed to things that I used to listen to. And I'm not saying that I have the answers and nor am I saying that I'm a superior or anything like that. I'm just going to give you some examples to give you the contrast so you can see the difference between singing to self versus singing to God for one thing. So he is jealous for me. I don't know, Like I said, I don't know how many times I sang that song and it never hit me that I was singing something that was not doctrinally sound. It was not a biblical statement to say. God is not jealous for me. He's not jealous in the sense that I want to think that he is, that he's pining over me like some lost puppy or he's my boyfriend. Jesus is not my boyfriend. He's my savior and he is the second person of the Trinity and he is a holy God. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is my high priest. He is making intercession for me. He is the prophet, priest, and king. He is... He is God, and he deserves reverence. He deserves to be exalted and lifted on high. He deserves for us to be in awe of his majesty and splendor and not to treat him like a boyfriend that is just swooning over us and thinks that we're just the best thing since sliced bread. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's talk about this for a little bit. So the first passage that we talked about in Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, the first passage in Scripture that mentions the word jealous is this very verse. This is the first verse you're going to come to when you're studying that word jealous. Exodus chapter 20 verse 5 is the first passage in scripture that even mentions the word jealous. We know that it is while God is delivering the Ten Commandments to Moses. So this is divine instruction for the people in how they are to conduct themselves according to God. Now notice that in context when you see that God is jealous, why is he jealous? It's because he's jealous of those that would commit adultery against him, spiritual adultery in the form of idolatry. That is the context of it. It is not just an emotional type of jealousy as a husband to a wife as we see in other passages if a husband suspects his wife of committing adultery. And that's a different type of jealousy. But this is a jealousy that is used to describe the character of the Lord. It is always used to describe God's attitude toward the worship of false gods, which arouses his jealousy and anger in judgment against idol worshipers. This is why he is jealous. God is jealous not for us. He is jealous for his name, and he is jealous for himself. And I know that sounds like a weird statement to say, but that's biblically sound. When you read scripture, you find that God is not jealous for us. He is jealous for those that belong to him that are his possession that would worship someone else other than him. It causes a fiery jealousy, a burning fire to to rage that would consume. You know, Hebrews 12 says our God is an all-consuming fire. It talks prior to that about worshiping the God, our God in reverence and awe for our God is an all-consuming fire. That's not something to take lightly. And our worship and our praise is specifically supposed to be devoted to him. And biblical praise and worship is found, obviously, in the pages of Scripture to help us know what is acceptable worship. There is acceptable worship and unacceptable worship. And so, again, 
just to kind of give you and I both something to think about when we're singing songs and we're saying that it's praise and worship music, then we need to evaluate it against scripture and make sure that what we're singing is to the Lord. It doesn't matter how you and I feel. It doesn't matter how what we experience. It doesn't matter about our opinion in it. What matters is, is this biblically sound? Now, I know that there's some people that are going to say, well, what about some of the older hymns? There are some old hymns that maybe not are biblically sound, and there may be some people that actually wrote those songs that they got off course. Uh, they veered away from the faith afterwards. But the fact remains is that they were talking about Jesus Christ in the in the doctrinally, biblically sound understanding at the time of writing that. And furthermore, we're not following those specific people at this point. We're not following Horatio Spafford's ministry. We're not following any other person that wrote other hymns and such that we don't follow their ministries and give money to their ministries. But today we are giving money to these ministries that are pumping out this music that are questionable in some of the things that they're saying and they're promoting things that just aren't biblically sound then we need to be aware of that and be willing to look at that so when we look at idolatry we can see this about God is that he does he hates idolatry and this makes him to have the name of jealous he is a jealous God and continuously throughout scripture we find that God is stirred to jealousy for his name and for his people who are his own possession let us not forget, if we proclaim to be Christians, then we are not our own. We were bought at a price, is what 1 Corinthians 6 tells us. We were bought at a price, and we do not belong to ourselves. We belong to Him. And so we are to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, worthy of the calling of Christ, and we are to recognize that we do not belong to ourselves. We are not our own. It is not about what we want, about what we desire, about what we, our cravings, our yearnings, our passions, our purposes, our dreams, you know, on and on and on. It's not about us. It's about him. It has to be centered on him. And if we're singing songs that have more to do about us than about him, then we're worshiping another God. And we're also, if we're asking God to, uh, to, to pine over us and to worship us, then we're asking God to worship a God of our own creation. And again, it's idolatry. Anything that's worth speaking the truth about is not going to be popular a lot of times. It's going to go against the grain. It's going to rub people the wrong way. And we've got to be okay with that because the truth has to outweigh what people feel. It has to outweigh people's opinions or their emotions or their experiences because our experiences are not truth. Our experiences can be deceptive. Our hearts can be deceptive. Our emotions can be deceptive. How we're feeling can be deceptive. And that doesn't all, just because we feel something doesn't mean that it's coming from God. It could be coming from our own emotions. It could be coming from our own passions and us stirring ourselves up wanting to feel something and attributing it to God when it, it's not. And there's nothing wrong with emotions. Listen, I've listened to some some music, even hymns and such, and some other music that I've listened to that is specifically God-centered, and it brings me to tears because I think about how majestic and how wonderful God is and how beautiful He is and how holy He is and that He is deserving of all the praise and glory that I could pour out and then some that I can't even... I can't even give him everything that he deserves, but there are things that emotionally cause me to be 
full of gratitude before the Lord, to be thankful for who he is and what he's done in saving me and redeeming and rescuing. There's nothing wrong with emotions. It's just the fact that we've got to make sure that we're not singing things and doing things in order to stir up and conjure up emotion and then say, well, that's God. And if I don't feel anything, then God's not in it. That's not a biblical approach. That's what I want to get you thinking about. I want you to get you, I want to get you thinking about what you're singing and making sure that what you're singing is acceptable worship to God, is acceptable praise to God. That you are worshiping the God of the Bible when you're singing these songs and that you're not worshiping a God of your own creation or you're not worshiping yourself. And I'm afraid that that's what we're doing a lot of times. And we, if we are doing that, we realize we're doing that, then the first thing we need to do is understand that God is a gracious and merciful God. And he, we can go to him and repent of these things and ask him by his spirit to be led by his spirit and to know and to test things and to be able to walk in the truth and to worship in spirit and in truth. It's so important to do that. And worshiping in spirit and truth doesn't mean that we're hyped up, we're on a high of some sort, and that we have to have all these manifestations and things all the time. That's not what worshiping in spirit and truth is about. So we have to be willing to look at these things and evaluate them properly according to scripture. Now, here are a few songs just to kind of give you an idea of what we may be singing and not realizing it and causing us to think, hmm, maybe what I'm singing, for example, just this will give one example. Maybe I'm thinking something that is more about me and not really so much about God. I've heard someone recently talk about that there's a difference between Christian music and Christian worship. And so this may be more along the lines of Christian music per se, but still these songs were used in praise and worship sets and such. And so one song that I used to lead worship to and listen to in private time as well is called The Anthem. This was a song that Jake Hamilton wrote. It's a really great sounding song, but when I started listening recently, I actually did a tally and made a, a column between, <laughs> this is going to sound really, probably sound silly to some people, but I just want to give you an example, okay? I made a, a tally of how many times I or me was mentioned versus God, him, or Holy Spirit, you know, different aspects that would refer to God. And what I found was when I was looking up how many times I was mentioned, referring to you and me, it was interesting. It was way more than the references to God himself. The actual times that I or me is referenced, and this is not including if if any of the verses or the bridge is repeated or anything like that, the term I or me was used 32 times. Versus the reference to God himself in some capacity, whether God or him or the Holy Spirit, was only referenced 14 times. And even in the bridge, you can see this, that there is a, a, a focus on self. And again, you know, it's a great sounding song. But at the same time, when we're drawing attention to ourselves, then we're exalting ourselves. Some listening may not see that as a problem. It's a problem. Because if we're exalting ourselves and we're just peppering in God's name to make it a legitimate song, so that way we can say it's a Christian song, then we're not being fully truthful about what's going on. We can still be singing a song and have some aspect of ourselves mentioned in it. I understand that once again. But at the same time, worship is to be to the Lord. Praise is to be to the Lord. 
It is directed to him and it is to him alone. So when we have a song that is mentioning I or me 32 times and it's mentioning God 14 times and then the bridge goes into I am royalty, I have destiny, I have been set free, I'm going to shape history, then it's very me-centered. It is me-centered. There's no getting around that. And again, I'm not throwing stones at people. I'm telling you and admitting these. this was a song I used to lead worship to. I used to sing this in my private time. I loved this song. I used to sing it out, belt it out, and hold to the words. And now looking back on it I, and even reflecting on it, I'm thinking, this is not to God. This is This is exalting me. This is making me somebody to be worshipped, somebody to be lifted up. And it's not okay. Wanted to share that particular example. Of course, how he loves. We've already talked about that, about how he is, he's not jealous for us. We've biblically looked at that in general. And I would encourage you, if you want to look a more in-depth study about that, then get in your Bible, get a concordance out and start looking at other, look at commentaries and such, and, and get an understanding of what it means for God to be jealous. Who is he jealous for? Why is he jealous? What, what makes him jealous? And again, we've talked about that. When we talk about other songs I can think about that we sang before, Forever is a song that we used to sing, and sometimes we do it in Easter services. It talks about um, forever he is glorified, forever he is lifted high. I mean, there are biblically sound things in there when you sing that. However, there's particular verse in there at the beginning when it talks about a battle in the grave, a war on death was waged, the power of hell forever broken. It almost seems like it's alluding to the word of faith type belief. And I actually heard this on a radio broadcast and I thought, well, this is an interesting point because I'd never thought about it. But it almost alludes to this word of faith teaching that Jesus had to go to hell to be redeemed, that he took on the sin nature, uh, almost like took on Satan's nature, and he had to be born again in hell. The Bible does not teach that. It, it absolutely does not teach that Jesus had to be born again in hell. And that's part of the word of faith teaching that he had to go to hell to be born again and to win the battle against sin. Well, we know that he won the battle against sin on the cross when he said it is finished. If it wasn't finished, then why would he say, why would Jesus say that from the cross? It is finished. And so there's almost this, we, we miss it. I didn't even see it for years until recently when I heard about this. And I looked at it, and I'm like, well, sure enough, that's there. I'd never noticed that. I just sang the song because it's a beautiful song. It's beautifully chore choreographed. It has other good lyrics to it. But then when you sprinkle in something that really alludes to something else, then frankly, this is alluding to another Christ. If that's what it's alluding to, then this is alluding to another Christ and another gospel. And I don't want to sing about another Christ. I don't know about you, but I don't want to sing about another Christ. I want to sing about the God of the Bible. I want to sing about that, the Jesus Christ that died on the cross for our sins and took away the, and took away our sins, washed us clean, and that he satisfied the wrath of God on our behalf, and he reconciles us back to the Father when we repent and turn from our sins and receive him as our Lord and Savior. That's the God of the Bible that I want to worship. I don't want to worship someone who doesn't exist and cannot save me from my sin because I am singing about something that contradicts Scripture. And to sing about a Savior who had to be born again in hell because what he did on the cross was not sufficient, that is not the Jesus Christ that is the second person of the Trinity. Something to think about with that. 
Again, there may be some disagreements on that. It's okay. I just want to share that with you, get you thinking. There was an older song we used to sing too. It was called Fire Fall Down. And I know that in some of the charismatic circles that fire is a big deal. And I would just encourage you to maybe do a study in the New Testament on fire and to realize even in Matthew 3.11, for example, when John the Baptist is talking about that the Holy Spirit will come baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That fire, when you read that in context uh, with the winnowing fork and such, that's actually talking about judgment. And so we, we probably would be best to look and see in context what the reference of fire is when looking at calling fire down from heaven and, and such. Even when some of the disciples got rebuked by Jesus because they did not know what kingdom they were of, they wanted to call fire down on people. And fire calling fire down is judgment. And so when we're asking God to send his fire, we may not be understanding what we're asking for. So just something to kind of think about right there and maybe get you to do your own little Bible study on that and look into that. What does it mean for the fire of God? I'm very familiar with uh, some of the songs from Hillsong and some of the older ones are very, are sound uh, biblically and such. And then there's some that are not sound biblically. And so for me personally, I've just chosen to not listen to Hillsong altogether. That's just my take on it. Um, I don't listen to any of Uh, any of that any longer but there was one that I remember listening to I used to think it was so pretty but then there were certain parts of it that really hung me up and I didn't like them and I would just skip over them but there was uh just as example there was one song called a hundred billion times I'm sure people have heard that a hundred billion times but I'm sure that some people really enjoy that song and it's a it's a beautifully sounding song but there's a point in it when it talks about I believe in the second verse when it talks about that uh, all creation evolved in pursuit of God. It's alluding to evolution. And this seems to go against creation. If the beginning of creation, if we believe that the animals evolved in pursuit of God, I don't know what the, the people that wrote the song were alluding to or what their, what their beliefs are, but when they're using the word evolve, that, that nature evolved, creation evolved in pursuit of God. It's, it's almost sounding like the belief in evolution versus the actual six days of creation. So that seems problematic. That song has, when I would get to the point in that song, when I used to listen to it, that always bothered me and I skipped over it. And when we have to do that in songs, then that's an issue. You know, when we're talking about reckless love, even I know many people have talked about that song and to think about God's love being reckless is not even, um, that's not biblically sound. God's love is not reckless. It is, it is not unplanned. It is not chaotic or anything like that. His, it is very strategic, very orchestrated and planned out and predestined with his actions and such. And so, um, God is not reckless by any means. So that's another example. There was one I came across recently, a very new song, and I actually listened to it uh, just to see what it sounded like. has a very neat sounding beat to it. And it's called, I Need a Ghost. When in some of the verses we're talking about, I need a Holy Ghost awaken in me. I need a ghost. I don't know if anybody else is bothered by that, but saying, I need a ghost as the title of the song and then saying that in there and then a Holy Ghost awaken in me. There's only one Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. First, another thing to consider here too is when we talk about the Holy Spirit, by the way, Jesus himself said in scripture that the Holy Spirit would testify of Christ. The Holy Spirit would not testify of himself. He would testify of 
Christ. Now, I know that this song is not testifying per se of the Holy Spirit himself, but still, when we have songs that are really centered on the Holy Spirit and we're heavily focused on the Spirit and not so much on God the Father or the Son, and we're not really taking in the whole Trinity as co-equal, so to speak, when we're ministering unto the Lord, then that's something else that we need to evaluate. Because Jesus, like I said, Jesus himself said, the Spirit would testify of Christ. The Spirit does not testify of himself. He's not drawing attention to himself. He is drawing attention. He is drawing worship and pointing back to Jesus Christ. That is who he will testify of in word, in deed, and certainly in the worship music that we're doing, the praise music that we're doing, should be testifying of Jesus Christ. And also, you know, taking into account, obviously, that we're being led by the Spirit, that we are in right relationship with God the Father. We're taking all of that in consideration when we're worshiping the Lord. Now, I know that as far as other bands, other worship music, such as Elevation, for example, they have had some music that's been very popular and such. And again, a lot of it has a great sound to it, is well choreographed. And there could be some lyrics that are sound while peppering in some that are not sound. And then people kind of pass it off and think, well, that's okay. That there's a concern that I have in with this particular example with elevation worship. And, and this is the concern that I have is that I have heard the senior leader minister on a couple of occasions things that were contrary to scripture for example talking about Jesus changed forms which is alluding to modalism that he didn't leave them he just changed forms meaning that he changed into the Holy Spirit and if that's what he means by that then that's not again that's not the same God of the Bible there have been other things. There's been references to a particular person named Richard Rohr quoting some of his stuff. Well, Richard Rohr is a universalist. He promotes the universal Christ. He actually wrote a book called The Universal Christ. He talks about at one If you've heard me talk about inner healing before, Agnes Sanford used the same phrase, the same term, at one instead of atonement, is to deny the need for the payment of sin, for sin to be atoned for by our Savior. Instead, it's promoting this harmony with God. Well, we cannot be at one with God or at peace with God without atonement. And so there have been even quotes shared by this senior leader from Elevation. And this pastor helps to write some of the music at Elevation. So the question is, what do we do when the senior leader of a church is also involved in writing the music and there are things being said by this leader that are highly questionable and that are not aligning with scripture. Are we to think that that worship music is singing to the same God of the Bible, the same Jesus Christ, if, if he believes that Jesus changed forms as opposed to actually going back to the Father and sitting at his right hand and then the Father sending the Holy Spirit, that Jesus, they sent the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to abide and dwell within those of us who would believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Is that the same God? Because if that, if we're saying, if we're singing these songs, and this minister is saying that Jesus changed forms, for example, not 
also taking into account the there's moralistic preaching and other things that are going on with this and a very me-centered gospel. But are we to believe or go along and believe that this is the same God of the Bible that they're singing about is the same one that's a universal Christ, that he's quoting from another person that believes that and such? See, these are things that we have to weigh and we have to be willing to test and to look at. And so again, this is not to be in a mean-spirited way at all. And to know that even my, as for myself, I'm still learning and growing. And we've got to be willing to have the tough conversations and be willing to be challenged on these things and take a good hard look at them and make some tough decisions. When we're singing songs of hell not hindering our praise, and that we're defeating the enemy, that's not biblical. And it even shows us that we don't even understand who created hell. We don't understand that hell is actually designed by God himself. It is not the devil's playground. It is not where demons torment people, contrary to popular belief. It is not the place that we that we envision or that we've had people write books about and tell us that they've seen. Hell was created for people that have sinned against God. And first and foremost, it was created for Satan and the demons themselves, which they will suffer in the lake of fire for all eternity at the end. But we don't understand what we're singing. We're singing songs that are hyping us up. They're making us feel good. They're pumping us up. They're building up self. They're exalting us. And we're exalting ourselves more. And we're exalting Christ less. And it's becoming Christless worship is what's happening. And when, especially when, if it's not the doctrinally sound biblical teaching that's in our worship music, because they go, they should go hand in hand then there is a huge problem and a huge red flag that comes up if it's not the same God of the Bible and not the same Jesus Christ that died on the cross. Now, real quickly, I want to share a couple of examples with you of some music that's more God-centered to give you an idea. So this one is a song called Once for All. It's by a group called City of Light. And just to read some of the lyrics to you here for just a moment, they go like this. It says, Our God, He bridged the great divide to offer us eternal life. Sending hope within a man, capital M, which man is also all God, all man. Oh, his love, it never fails, and his love, it never ends. He came in flesh to fight our cause, with power to tame the ocean's roar. Taking on sin and shame, he has opened up the way, he has overcome the grave. Once for all, our king has paid it all, all the glory to his name. By his blood, the curse of man undone, all the glory to his name. So it goes on, and it's a beautiful song, but it is attributing glory to God, reminding us as we're singing this. Again, there's nothing wrong with, I understand that we're going to have some place at times in these songs, but when we outweigh the glory that's to be ascribed to God, then that should be a, a problem for us. It should be an issue that is of contention for us that we need to evaluate. So this is one song among many that's good. Another one that we can look at. There's obviously some good hymns out there that are good and sound that we can certainly sing. Another one that's a new song that actually came out from Sovereign Grace. This is called Christ Will Be My Hideaway. And it's alluding to Psalm 91, if I'm not mistaken. But it says, I will dwell within the shelter of the God who reigns above. I will rest beneath the shadow of the mighty King of Love. Though a sickness hides in darkness, though a plague destroys by day, I will stand upon his promises, Christ will be my hideaway. In you, my God, I trust. 
You are strong and here with us. In you, my hope remains. Christ will be my hideaway. So this just kind of gives you a couple of ideas. Again, that song goes on and it's really beautiful. I would encourage you if you're looking for solid worship, praise and worship that is based in, in biblical doctrine that's sound, I would encourage you to look at those two groups. There's other ones out there that you can certainly look at, but those are two prominent ones that I know of that when I've looked at the music myself, and again, I am not the be-all, end-all, and I get that. When I've looked at them, though, compared to what I used to sing, it's it's definitely like night and day difference as far as what I'm singing, and it's it's biblically sound. Now, and some people are going to say, well, you know, there's some music that comes out of Bethel and these other places that are could pass the doctrinal smell test, and I get that. But the fact of the matter is, is that even if it sounds like that could, there's teaching coming out of these places that is not lining up with Scripture. When you have teaching that's coming out saying, well, God did everything as a man, he laid his divinity aside, and he could be, he had to be born again, uh, what he did on the cross was not sufficient. He did everything he did as a man, and he gave us a model to follow that we can do the same things he did. Or if we're saying, you know, Jesus changed forms, he came back as the Holy Spirit, implying that, or we believe in a universal Christ, or, you know, just these things, then we need to evaluate if we're not okay with the teaching, why are we okay with the worship? Because it's coming from the same place. And if people are sitting under this teaching, then they're agreeing with the teaching. And some of these worship leaders are writing this music. And if they are aligning themselves with this teaching, then what Christ are they singing to is the question. Um, and, you know, I've heard this argument, too. It's a really good point. But uh, that I, I will also say that I've heard this is not my original thought. But it's something to think about. You know, we have issues with the music that we're talking about here that some people may say, well, I don't understand why you're making a big deal about it. Again, it's just words into a song, and I've already touched on that. But one other point I'll make that, again, is not my original thought. I heard it from somewhere else, but it's a really good point. Would you permit or would you be okay with singing songs that were in a Mormon temple? Would you be okay with singing songs that were in um, a Universalist church? or Unitarian Church, would you be okay with something that even though they mention the name of Jesus, you would look at their doctrine and say that that is not Christianity? But if you can say that you would be okay with singing songs that came from a Mormon church or Jehovah's Witnesses or Unitarian or Universalist, you know, different things that you know that what they're singing is not doctrinally sound and according to the Bible, according to scripture understood in the proper context, then we have to understand that it's a similar similar standard that we're applying in this situation. We have got to be singing songs that are ascribed to the right God, the right Christ. And secondly, we have got to be singing praise and worship songs that are praising and worshiping God and not ourselves. Because we are dangerously in this vicinity of being much like the Israelites were in the Old Testament, that we have erected a golden calf and we are worshiping that golden calf and we want to do things our way. And we've got to get back to this praising and singing God in spirit and in truth and not basing it on how we feel, not basing it on how many goosebumps we get, not based on how we how much we cry, how much makes us emotionally draw closer to God. We've got to make sure that it's when we're singing and praising and worshiping God, that we're drawing close, first of all, to the right God, the right Christ, and second of all, that we're making it more about Him and less about us. 
because we're going to worship God for all eternity. And we have got to be able to understand the importance of what we're singing and what we're doing and know that it matters here. And if I could say a few things from scripture, just to close this out and bring us back to the foundation of where we should be in our worship, which by the way, worship in music is just one facet of our worship unto the Lord, our entire lifestyle is to be acceptable worship unto God. Romans 12 touches on this, that that our lives are supposed to be holy and acceptable unto the Lord. We're supposed to bring that holy and acceptable worship unto God. And that's something for us to keep in mind. It's not, We're not just talking about songs that we're singing, but this has is going back to our conduct, the way that we conduct ourselves and glorifying God. Two scriptures I just want to point you to real quick are Philippians 3.3. 3. It says, For we are the true circumcision, which is a spiritual circumcision, that our hearts have been changed and transformed by the power of God. And we are the ones who worship. This is the church. It's to the Philippians, but we can also apply this to the church. We are the ones who worship in the Spirit of God, and we glory in Christ Jesus, and we put no confidence in the flesh. Listen, your flesh is going to be deceptive. Just because you feel a goosebump or you feel something does not mean that it's God. And we cannot put our confidence in the flesh. We cannot afford to do that. Because if we do that, and we're always looking for that next thrill, that next experience, that next encounter, that next song that just, it speaks to us rather than us ascribing to God what truly belongs to him and does not belong to us, then we are always going to be looking for an experience to like a fix. It's going to be like a fix, like a, an addict needs a fix for a drug. And nothing is going to ever satisfy us. And we're always going to be needing that spiritual fix and true worship is found not only in the song, but it's found in the everyday things that we do in our lives. It's when we take care of our homes. It's when we take care of our children, our spouses. It's when we're on our job. It's when we're doing the daily day things and we're doing things in word and deed unto God that we're expressing in our lives, that we're showing and demonstrating that we have the fruit of the spirit in our lives, that, that that's worshiping God. That's ascribing to him what belongs to him, the glory. Psalm 96 verse 8 and 9 says, ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name, bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in holy attire, tremble before him all the earth. There are so many other scriptures I can talk to you about and touch on regarding worship, but these are just a few to draw us back and get us thinking about what worship really is and to understand first and foremost, as I was saying in the blog post, God is not jealous for us. He is jealous for his name and we must come back to this reverential fear and awe of God and remember why we were created to begin with, who we are in relation to God and that he is worthy of glory honor and praise in every aspect of our lives and all of it is encompassed in worship unto him and we want to glorify him we want to honor him and reverence him and make sure that not only what we're saying in our lives but what we're singing is bringing glory to God be blessed today thank you for joining me on this podcast if you would like to connect with me you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe and if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesubscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.